Well, it's a Saturday sesh here and running a little bit blind, but it's a great weekend. It's a fantastic weekend here in the Riviera of Wellington. It's just me, Grant Elliott. There's no, there's absolutely no Daniel McCarty. Daniel McCarty is in France still. He's swanning around in uh, the French Riviera. I heard that they, they're off to Bordeaux, the New Zealand team, for a week, which is unbelievable. Um, what about that? Going to Bordeaux for a week. How are they going to go after this this victory? How are we feeling about this victory? How are we going? Because last week, when I heard from everyone, um, there was a little bit of, uh, I'd say, disappointment, aggression. Uh, there were people that were really disillusioned, saying that we're not even going to make the quarterfinals. And um, that was disappointing, obviously. But I want to hear from you. 0800-150-811. Or text us on double eight double three. It's always nice to hear you coming off the long run, being positive. Whatever it is, sport fills us with emotions. It always does fill us with emotions. And there was a lot of emotional people last week with that loss to France. But to come back, I mean, well, death, taxes, and beating Namibia are always three things that will <laughs> will always happen. And um, I guess it was inevitable, the scoreline. And I just feel sorry for the poor Namibia. They've had, uh, they've had three times in the last three World Cups where they've, um, they've faced the All Blacks and they've got destroyed. How would they be feeling? I mean, they've still got to face France. Well, it looks like we've got Graham. Graham from Christchurch. Early doors. How are you, Graham? Oh, good, Ali. Uh, sorry, Grant was calling me by last name. No, good, Grant. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Graham's not no. there. <laughs> are you there? Graham from Christchurch. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? We'll have to see. Um, whether Graham does come in a little bit later or not. But in the show, let's have a look at what we're going for in the Saturday sesh. Well, we're going to go top of the hour. We're going to speak to my mate Scotty Stevenson, SENZ commentator. Well, Scotty's got a lot to talk about. I mean, he's a man of many hats. We've got the Warriors. We've got the Cricket to talk about. And we've got the All Blacks. How are they all tracking? Then we'll um, go back to more calls and texts, discuss the pulse of New Zealand, how we're feeling as a nation. It's obviously a Cricket World Cup coming up. And then at 10.30, we're going to go into Swinging Both Ways with Razine, where we're going to talk about the Black Caps and England. Squad news. There's a lot of squad news coming on. And I think that we're going to be looking at Kane Williamson. The Kane O'Clock, we call it, Daniel McCarty and I. How's Kane tracking? Uh, they announced the new Black Cap squad to be heading to Bangladesh and Kane Williamson wasn't named, which for me was a little bit of a surprise. There were some names there that were, were named and um, it will be interesting to hear your thoughts on that. Hearing your thoughts on the Black Caps and the All Blacks Let's head to the headlines. We're going to go to the headlines now. Well, the Storm, they made it over the line against the Roosters in the NRR finals match. The Melbourne Storm are heading to a semi-final match 
against reigning champions Panthers after defeating the Roosters 18-13. A late try from Will Warburg secured the win for the Storm. The Warriors play in their finals match against the Knights tonight at Go Media Stadium. A live coverage, of course, will be on SENZ again tonight. Well, England were too strong in the third ODI against the Black Caps. England set a target of 312 after 50 overs with the bat in the first innings of the third ODI overnight. But it was just too much for the Black Caps as they were bowled out for 211 just after 38 overs. David Milan leading the way for England, scoring 127 off just 114 balls. The All Blacks bounced back with a dominant performance against Namibia, as expected. The boys in black have bounced back with a thrashing against Namibia in their second Rugby World Cup match with a scoreline of 71-3. Standout performance from Cam Roygaard and Damien McKenzie with excellent link-ups. Well, for those of you that watched it, I mean, I'm sure that it was an absolute trouncing um, of Namibia. I'm just getting some texts saying that there is a few technical problems here at the moment. People saying that they could hear Graham on the radio, but I couldn't. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, so I am flying a little bit blind here, but just stay with us. We're going to work through some technical faults. And in this break, then hopefully I won't be flying too blind and I'll be able to hear my mate on the other end, Huckleberry in Auckland. So let's take a break. When we get back, hopefully I'll be able to speak to you as the listeners because I want to hear what you have to say on 0800 150 811. Text us, double eight double three. Saturday sesh, sipping on champagne in France. That's what they'll be doing. The All Blacks celebrating Sam Whitelock, equaling Richie McCaw's record for most appearances. And that's exactly where Daniel McCarty will be. He'll be probably on a bus on the way to Bordeaux, just celebrating this victory. 71-3, it was always going to happen. A comfortable win, as expected, from the All Blacks. And there were elements of the performance that will no doubt leave Ian Foster less than pleased. Defensively, they were strong, the All Blacks. They defended a number of line-out drives in the second half. There was some fine attacking moments as the power, pace, and skill of the All Blacks ran rampant in broken play. Well, now, Graham's phone back, which is brilliant. Graham from Christchurch, I'm really sorry that um, I couldn't hear you earlier. We are having a few technical difficulties, but Graham, yeah, you're back, back, back in the mix. Oh, yeah, no, no problems there. These things happen, don't they? Yeah, yeah it does. No. So how, how are your thoughts this morning? You must be pretty happy with that performance? Oh, yeah, well, obviously you would be happy with with that scoreline. Yeah, I mean, but it's also, you know, it's it's an easy one to pour cold water on, but also you've got to be happy that, like, you know, you've got to play who's in front of you. I know it's a cliche everyone uses nowadays, but... Um, yeah, I, I think the individual performances of like Justin Marshall was saying to Daniel before 
I think there, there, there were some some significant ones. You know, I, I, obviously I think Cam Roygaard, who should have been on the bench last week. Yeah, he he goes straight into the bench for the Italian game. Um, I, you know, I think that he does a, he's just playing so well. I know. I mean, he got a try against South Africa um, when he came on a brilliant try in London, and then you know, this today he's played very well again. I, I'd like to see Lester Fagunuku, um you know, on the back of what he's done with the Crusaders. You know, it was against Namibia once again, but he is a force to be reckoned with. His work rate and his ball and hand work. Yeah, I just, you know, I think he's another one. Those two players probably would be the most significant movers and shakers of that starting team. Uh, I think Cam Roy got. Oh, sorry, Graham, but I think you yep, mentioned yep. Cam Roy God. I think the thing that really impressed with with him, and I don't know if you found the same, was his decision making, how crisp it was, and how much confidence he brought to the group um you know i know it's namibia but he he played um it wasn't just a solid game but he took some risks he took some risks he saw gaps um and he he was really explosive he was he was an absolute standout like you said oh yeah yeah and i, I and you know justin marshall said earlier in the year with mark watson on a sunday show during the super rugby season that he felt that he shouldn't be in the World Cup squad, and there were a lot of. I mean, I'd have had Weber over there, possibly ahead of uh, Christie as well. Um, but but I think that yeah, this guy really is is Justin Zaza. You know, he's a he's a high flyer in the halfback stakes. Especially you know we've got a lot of good halfbacks around, experienced older ones and young ones coming through as well, all different styles. But yeah, he he definitely, I think, deserves. I think you know, Antoine Leonard Brown played very, very well too um, in the midfield. But yeah, I think Leicester too. I really like to see him in that starting team for the All Blacks uh, out wide. I just think he adds gives a lot of uncertainty to the opposition. Uh, you can't, you know, force of nature really. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I think there's a bit of food for thought. Yeah, the loose forwards. You know, it's hard to to judge them because obviously. We know how good Artie is, but he plays well against anybody. But, yeah, how good, you know, Dalton Popper Lee, probably not another great game, really, I don't think. But, yeah, I don't. I think he's, yeah, it'll be interesting. There's some interesting selection conundrums. I think they lost last week, coupled with this big win. Um, but I think they'll have to take an overview of the form from earlier in the season, too, and say, well, we need to make changes I mean, you know, about four, four to five changes, I believe, from last week's starting lineup, and it's but, it's tough though, Graham. Like, how do you? I mean, Namibia they lose fifty-two-eight to Italy. <clears throat> They've still got France to go oh, exactly. in the next game. Like, yeah, I mean, do you base uh, people's performance on this game? I mean, this is one where, in a cricketing sense, I would love to have played. You know, get my stats oh, yeah. up. Um, but. I guess you look at the positives and you go, as you mentioned, Cam Roygaard, Lester Fanganuku, um, they were standouts. While Sam Whitelock, Adi Sevilla, Bowden Barrett and Anton Lennon-Brown were, were pretty solid. Um, I still think, you know, I was at a golf day um, and Izzy Dagg was there and one of the things that came up was the Richie Moanga, Damien McKenzie and Bowden Barrett. It's like, do we still, you know, oh, a, lot of, well. a lot of feeling is that Bowden should be at yeah. 10 and it's like, we, we, it's still up in the air really. Uh, well, at least for us as um, as fans and and uh, media, like no one really knows what what they're thinking in that space. 
Yeah, well, I spoke to Izzy on his morning show. I mean, I, I think well, I think Richie is. I think most people think he's the number one now, uh, and long last, you know, and he should be and deserves it. And well, I don't like the dual playmaker, and there's nothing against Bowden Barrett. Uh, I think him and Damien, you know, vie for a bench position. Uh, Damien probably pitches ahead of him on that, and because of his, you know, a lot of people talk about the fact he brings a lot off the bench late in the game. And I also, you know, the fullback position, uh, Will Jordan. Whether he's injured or not, and I was talking to Izzy about that on the radio the other day. That they they seem reluctant to even play him there, so I just bemused by that too. Because uh, yeah, you know these are players like Roy Gard who have played well during Super Rugby and have a body of work behind them in previous seasons too. So, but yeah, what what happens? Yeah, it's going to be there's 12 days till the next game, so. Uh, yeah, that will be up in the yeah. It's going to be that that'll be a a big discussion point in the next election. That's for sure. No, oh, well they're heading to Bordeaux. I heard uh, Ian Foster say for the next week, so they're going to be training hard. He said there, but let's spare a thought for Namibia. I mean, yeah, Namibia, yeah. <laughs> Graham, like the poor guys uh, that they get hit fifty-two eight against Italy, then seventy-one three mm. against New Zealand. And now they've still got France. They're going to prepare for their last game, Uruguay. So Uruguay is the one that they're probably eyeing up at the oh. start of the, the tournament. But what do you do? Do you just get on the, the, the vinos now? Do you just start going on vineyard, vineyard tours? I mean, they must be bruised and battered um, heading into to their next game. Oh, exactly. And that's, that's one thing that's never changed. I remember the 87 World Cup and there were teams... Yeah, rugby World Cups aren't like football World Cups, even though Uruguay did push France. And we've seen other games too, the Fijians. There's a lot of teams that have gone up, like the Fijians, for instance, and the Tongans, and some, especially the Pacific Island teams. But, uh, yeah, there is a big disparity, especially in the with the European teams uh, against some of the, the lesser European teams I'm talking about and, and the rest, and, and they are cannon fodder. By and large, and, and that's has hasn't changed. But yeah, what the yeah, I mean they they are a bit of a yeah fringe country rugby wise. I mean they got a border with South Africa, and they I know they, they 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 obviously have a lot of the same history as South Africa, but so they have a bit of a rugby background with them. But I mean where, where they go, I mean that's their problem. But I do feel for them. I agree <laughs> with you. It is a very very tough situation to know they're facing France next. That's for sure. Though the Uruguayans will probably give, probably they'll probably look at that and say, "Well, let's give them a go." You know, and I say good luck to them. <laughs> oh well, Graham, thanks a lot. It's great having you on the show. And sounds like you, you're probably in the same headspace as most New Zealanders, where you know there were yeah. Cam Roygaard and Lester Fanganuku, great games. Like, are we reevaluating what our top squad looks like? So, thanks a lot. Great having you on the show. Right, and uh, thanks for listening. Let's go to Zaid in Auckland. Zaid. What's the pulse check over there in Auckland like? Yeah, good, thanks. Looking forward to the Warriors game tonight. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, the first thing that you said, it was Mount Smart sold out. Uh, yeah, you feeling positive about that one? Positive about um, it today? Yeah, I, think we can do, I think we can do it, eh? I think we'll yep, be a this one, is the year. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, um... Did I hear Tim Salvi's being ruled out with the world, from the World Cup with a broken hand? No. Has that really from just come night? through? 
Well, wow, uh, I'm going to be searching been, feverishly on, no? online. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wondered why he wasn't playing. Um, I I have heard that um, uh, that one of the players has come back or, or will be coming back, Ben Lister. So he injured his hamstring while fielding. So he's returning home. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't had um, anything um, around Tim Southey. Oh, hang on a second. An X-ray has confirmed that Tim Southey dislocated and fractured a bone in his right thumb while attempting so to take a catch the World in Cup the 14th then? over. A uh, timeline oh, for his okay. recovery will be established tomorrow when he undergoes further assessment. Uh, Finn Allen was cleared of a fracture and break after injuring the, the, the little ring finger on his right hand yeah. uh, while on as a substitute fielder. And Daryl Mitchell dislocated the ring finger on his left hand while taking a catch to dismiss <laughs> Bairstow. Uh, but was able What's to happening to the, in the fingers there, mate? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Zade, but you, you got me worried there. Uh, that doesn't look good. I've, I've actually, um, I've fractured my, my right thumb, and you actually, you yeah. can't bowl. You can't bowl with a fractured thumb. That's sort of your guide as to how the seam gets released out of the hand. So let's just hope yeah. that it's not as, or it's a fracture that potentially Tim Southey can still use that that thumb. But that's a, a big blow to the Black Caps leading up to the World Cup. What do you think about the the last few big losses to England? Yeah, um, well, I woke up this morning and I, I had a look, and you know, I think it's just lack of hundreds. Aid. You, you look at um, England. England managed to get players that scored hundreds when we did have a player that scored a hundred or players um, in Conway and, and Mitchell. Suddenly, uh, you know, we beat England. And one day cricket's about scoring hundreds. It's not about 30s and 40s. It's about getting those hundreds, those big scores, so that you can get that big total or actually um, look to, to attack a big total. The interesting thing is that England uh, batted first in every single one of those ODIs. So we were always chasing. Yeah. It might might give us an indication of how, how good we are as a, a chasing team. Now, but Zayd, I want to ask you, Mount Smart, the Waz, there's obviously such a following. We probably don't feel it as heavily down here in Wellington. What is that movement like? I, you know, it almost feels like the movement the breakers had when they were dominant. Yeah, big big following behind them, obviously. After Waz has kind of gone pretty viral, you know, taken off this year. And, yeah, obviously their first final at home since 2008 and obviously sold out in about 40 minutes. So it was, yeah, pretty, pretty big impact. And if... If they can beat the Knights, and you never know from from now on, they got the Broncos, and they can they go go back to Brisbane will be a tough one. But if Johnson's fit tonight, we'll see an hour before the game kicks off if you'll be playing. But I think if Johnson plays, I think Warriors win. Oh, okay, Zaid. Well, great having you on the show. Thanks for listening. Love your insights good, and uh, you. up up the waz, eh, Zaid. Waz. Oh. <laughs> we just had a little waz there. Well, we'll be back after the break. We've got Scotty Stevenson coming up on the show. Daniel McCarty, well, he's a no-show today, but he deserves the rest. He's had a long call today, the World Cup game, and a great performance from the All Blacks. It's here from you on 0800-150-811. After the break, text us, double eight double three. Every time we've no control If the 
the sky is pink and white if the ground is black and yellow Saturday session here on SCNZ and we've got a fantastic guest coming in very knowledgeable on multiple sports but particularly rugby this morning Scotty Stevenson my good man Sumo how are you? I'm very well Grant how are you my friend? It sounds like you're at a playground there's a lot of children in the background there yeah, no, there's some kids on the trampoline next door, so um, they're having the time of their lives. Time of their lives. Can you tell? Okay. Can you tell them to pipe down, please? Up. Can you be? Can you be <laughs> one of the? Yeah, be one of those uh, those uh, neighbours. Shut up. <laughs> uh, how are you, Scotty? How's 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 the pulse in uh, the Stevenson house after that victory? No, look, it's good. Uh, it's good, mate. It's a cat off with a nice little jog on the beach. So, um, look, the All Blacks feel pretty good about that, Grant, but they've still got some worries. They conceded 12 penalties, so that's 26 penalties they've now conceded in two matches. Uh, and how you have to concede 12 penalties against Namibia is beyond me. Uh, and the other thing that concerns me, and I hate to start on negatives, but we might as well get them out of the way, uh, I think they had to make 60-odd tackles and they missed 10 of them. So tackling at 81%, that's going to be a concern for them as well. And then there's the Ethan DeGroot red card, which is just, uh, you know, an unnecessary play uh, when the game is well in control. And for a high tackle at that, so uh, that's village stuff to finish that game for the All Blacks. But look, they'll take the win, um, and it was always going to be a win, let's be honest about that. Uh, but they showed some real class in what were pretty treacherous conditions, actually. You know, Scotty, everyone talks about ill-discipline, but I don't know, like, how do you change ill-discipline? Because for me, that starts with, it's almost a cultural change. It's, uh, you know, doing those one percenters, punctuality, mm. making sure that mm. you're organized before the game. It's a, it's a cultural environment thing, isn't it? And then that yeah, seeps look, into on-field play. Yeah, oh, look, it's a little bit challenging with, with rugby, I think, because you are dealing with different referees all the time. Uh, you're not just de dealing with the same uh, rule book. And so rugby is a very dynamic uh, sport in that respect. But ultimately, you know, the, the onus is on you as a team, and especially on that leadership group in the team, to actually understand how the referee is adjudicating the match, uh, what you're doing to try and win possession, because most penalties are given away uh, at the breakdown or certainly on the offside line, and, and then thinking pretty hard about whether you have to go there or not, whether you have to go to that line especially in a clash where the result is beyond doubt uh, before the opening whistle's even blown. So, uh, you know, I just think there's a, there's a sort of, to me, there just feels like there's a lack of game sense, lack of referee sense in this all-black squad at the moment, and they're going to need to adjust to that very, very quickly. I think a little bit more analysis on how referees are adjudicating the game would go a long way, and I'm not suggesting for a second they don't do that. Of course they do. They're a professional sports team. Uh, but obviously that message is still to sink in. And if they keep giving away that many penalties, when it comes to the crunch and the big matches in this World Cup, they're going to come out on the wrong side of the ledger. I mean, Cam Roygaard, everyone's talking about Cam Roygaard. He had a fantastic game. Obviously, you know, showed not only skill, but, you know, just how um, dominant he can be in terms of making breaks. But, I mean, is that is that like a, a, a batsman going in and scoring, um, you know, a double hundred, one day hundred against um, against Namibia in a World Cup? <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know. I think Cam Rugard has a has a set of skills that perhaps the other halfbacks in the squad don't have. Aaron Smith's never been a huge runner with the ball. He's a great passing halfback, as we know. Cam Rugard just brings that running game, and I think that's what was what was severely lacking in that final quarter. Uh, against the French. I thought they might have played Roy Gard just for that reason alone, the fact that he can challenge around the around the edge of the ruck 
um, and then he can cause a bit of trouble there. You know, that pass to set up Damien McKenzie, that swivel pass, uh, that's a hard play to pull off. You know, he makes the break from the scrum. He does everything right. He puts his body on the line because when you play a pass like that, when your body's turned, you're exposing your ribcage. It's a fearless play from Cam Roygaard, but you also have to have the timing absolutely perfect. And he showed that. And in that one phase of play alone, I think we saw what Cam Roygaard really has to offer this team, which is vision. He's a heads-up player, but he also has those, um, what do they call them in rugby, Grant, micro-skills. Uh, in order to pull off those plays and to get the job finished. So all very well to start it, have a run, and it comes to nothing. But he has the, he has the vision and the skills to finish those plays, and, and that was fantastic. To watch that combination with McKenzie, which seemed to be very natural. Yeah, I think that word vision, great great word to describe what he had today. But, you know, like I also think about the squad, Sumo, and I think, you know, in a World Cup, it's great to be able to have uh, confidence in a group. And we definitely need to to gain a little bit of confidence. We were talking about it after the, the loss to South Africa in the warm-up game and then France, to have the young players that have the confidence and have a great game. So you look at, you know, yeah. Cam Roygaard, who, who can actually take this performance and be someone that if he becomes first choice, he's got that confidence. But it's confidence in the group, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I spoke a lot before this game um, for onenews.co.nz, or I wrote a lot before the game, about the, the, the All Blacks rediscovering their joy. It's a team under pressure, and, and All Black teams, when they get too tight, they close down, and that's not the All Black way. The All Black way is to play with some freedom, uh, not reckless freedom, but some freedom of expression, being able to go out there and show the skill set that this team has, and it has got you know one of the best skill sets in the game, hands down. It always has done. And in fact, that's always been the All Black strength to me, the fact that they have athletes across the park from 1 to 15 or 1 to 23 who have those skills that perhaps other players don't have. But the ability to go out there, not to feel that pressure on the shoulders, and actually to go out and say, yeah, I'm going to make this play because I can make this play. Um, and that is part of the DNA of all black teams of, pa- of past years, certainly of the most successful all black teams. Um, so you need to be able to find that line between saying, yeah, we know it's high stakes. It's a rugby world cup for goodness sake. We know it's high stakes because the all blacks are expected to win matches. But ultimately, it's still a game. You've still got to go out there and look like you're enjoying it while you're playing it. Uh, you know, one of the things that confuses me, I'm not as much of a you know rugby guru as you, Scotty, but, you know, is the Damien McKenzie, Richie Mwanga, Bowden Barrett, everyone keeps talking about it. Everyone's got their favorite. It's almost like going to the supermarket <laughs> and looking at, you know, tomato ketchup and going, well, you know, we've got Heinz, we've got Waddies, and we've got, uh, I don't know, all gold or whatever. And everyone's got their opinion on what they like the most. I mean, what do you have an opinion, or do, can we just settle on something? Richie Moing is number one, isn't he, at, at, at first five? Well, well, to me, he is. Um, but that was another one of the confusing selection issues around that first game against France, where you wouldn't have Damien McKenzie on the bench, someone who just brings a little, a little something different to the formula. Um, yes, look, Damien McKenzie can be hot, he can be cold, but he had a great rugby season. He was wonderful against Argentina in that opening match for the rugby championship. Um, had a bit of a dud later on in that series, uh, but ultimately he's still got a set of skills that no other first five in that team has. Um, but you've, you've got to understand, I love the all guide mentioned, by the way, it goes great on your slup chips, Grant, the all gold. And a bride. And a bride. and all gold. I've got to say, you know, that, that, I think this is part of the problem. They, they haven't been able to decide what's their best fit, so they're trying to find these hybrid selections. Uh, where Bowden Barrett's starting in the line a lot instead of at fullback. 
Um, he, he still feels like he's a 10 deep down inside. Uh, he's playing at fullback, which is he's a very good fullback too, don't get me wrong. It's nothing against Bowden Barrett. But you've got to decide who's your game manager. And, you know, I look at that George Ford performance against Argentina, and that's an out-and-out first 5-8. There's no confusion in England about who's playing first five. There's no confusion in the South African side about who, who's playing first five. There's no confusion in France about who's playing first five. Yeah. The only team that seems confused about who's, who's the game general, the game driver, is the All Black side. And maybe that's because <laughs> they have this embarrassment of riches. But ultimately, you've got to put the control of the game in the hands of the guy at 10. Well, 9 and 10, in fact. And you've got to stick with it. It's the, it's the leader. It's the leader. And uh, I heard Izzy Dag talk about it. He said, yeah, you know, they had a two-pronged attack. When Dan Carter was at first five and he was at fullback, it was almost like there was two ways of, of attacking, whereas now it, it, it seems like there's not as much direction, I guess, uh, from when he played. But, uh, Scotty, well, let's, yeah. let's spare a thought. Oh, no, carry on. No, 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 no. Well, let's, no I, I think we've skinned that cat, Grant. We can move on. Yeah, we have. Um, I, I, I wanted to spare a thought for Namibia. I mean, they got pumped <laughs> by Italy. And now they get yeah. pumped by the All Blacks. Uh, they knew they were up against it. And then if it yeah. couldn't get any worse for them, now they have to face France before their big game <laughs> against Uruguay. How will they be feeling in the change room? Do you think that they, like I said to Graham, do you think that they, they're having a chat and going, you know what, let's just get on the Vinos and have a great time? <laughs> Maybe they are on the Fintooks already. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I guess the first thing they'll be concerned about is LaRue Milan, who that injury looked horrible. Um, not entirely sure what the uh, what the upshot of that was, but when the referee can't even look at it, then obviously it, it doesn't sound good. Um, so they'll find out what's going on there. They're always up against it, aren't they? Namibia's going to come to a World Cup and they're going to look at the pool and they're going to say, we've got one game here, boys. Um, we can get a World Cup victory. Uh, it is the nature of, of the global game where there are uh, very few haves and a lot of have-nots at this Rugby World Cup. I actually called it Vanilla Week this week because uh, there's not a lot of flavourful clashes to get your teeth into. Uh, Uruguay were a bit of a surprise to me against France, um, but France probably just did enough. Um, they, they're going to ride the emotions of this tournament and peak at the right times. Um, Namibia, we're never going to trouble the All Blacks today. And there's a, there's a lot of other games through this round that really, um, you know, the, the busiest bloke at the game is going to be the guy operating the scoreboard. So... Um, you know, it is, the na- it is the nature of World Cups. And, um, you know, I, I, surely Namibia will have pinpointed that Uruguay game and said we just want a World Cup victory here and it ain't coming against uh, anyone else in that pool. Now, Scotty, my good mate Daniel McCarty, he was obviously uh, calling the game for SCNZ. Yep. And um, uh, he, he's a no-show today, which, uh, you know, the last <laughs> week he, he showed up. What, what do you think, Daniel, he had to go. He said he was exhausted. But what do you think Daniel will oh, be sure. up to uh, t- today? Where will he be going? Will he be already on his way to Bordeaux, which is where the, the All Blacks are going for the next week? Look, I think Daniel's just going to take stock of, uh, of the last uh, week of his life and realise he's living the dream. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hopefully settle into a nice pint of something somewhere in France and maybe a nice steak frites. And, um, and he's just, look, this is a confidence booster for you, isn't it? He said to you, Grant, you can run the cutter on your own. You're good enough. It's your time. Um, this is your Cam Royguard moment. I'm going to leave you to it. <laughs> I've come. I've properly come off the bench here. Uh, <laughs> I saw. I saw a social media post by Daniel. He was at the Louvre. The, I don't even know how to say it. The Louvre. 
the Louvre. And the um, Louvre. yeah, 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 the Louvre. And uh, he had uh, a photo of uh, me, a photo of Smithy, and an up the Waz uh, photo. And he was trying to oh, pin it good. on, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pr- trying to pin it on some uh, famous photos or paintings. And uh, yeah, they they threw me and Smithy out, but they got up the Waz. <laughs> do you do you have any views on on the Waz? I mean, you're you're in Auckland um, a lot of the time, yeah. so how, how's yeah. that how's that movement going? Oh, mate, you can't buy a ticket for love and money for tonight, that's for sure. Um, look, I, I love the Waz bandwagon. It's the greatest bandwagon in sport. Um, I love up the Waz. And the reason I love up the Waz is because it's come from the fans. They're the ones who've created it. As a slogan, it's great. Everyone's into it. Um, and it sure beats any of the other commercial bullshit that's fed down sports fans' throats um, when these organisations try to do something and tell us all what to say and when to say it. Um, no, the Waz are great. Uh, look, this is a big opportunity for them, but Newcastle are, are going well. They're riding high. They're on a good run of victories. Um, and the Warriors are coming off, you know, what's been a pretty tough few weeks for them. Uh, the return of Sean Johnson's huge. Uh, and that crowd at Mount Smart tonight is going to lift the roof off that stadium if there was indeed a roof to lift off. But it is going to be noisy. Uh, Newcastle won't know what's hit them in terms of the fans. Warriors are, are a special side in the NRL, and that's why the NRL loves them. They sell a lot of merchandise, but you have a look at the crowds that they get at games in Australia now. A lot of expat Kiwis, of course, and, and the flags flying for the Warriors at every match this year has been a sight to see. And so, you know, I, I do hope. I, I'm pretty objective about rugby league. It's not my game, but I enjoy watching it. Um, and I do hope they put in a performance tonight and, and get another week in this competition. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, they become a national team at the moment, I think. Definitely last oh, weekend. They were with some irate callers. And there's not too many calls coming in on 0800-150-811. But we do want to hear from you and uh, any opinions that you have on what Scotty Stevenson had to say. Scotty, some bad well, news get, came in as well. <laughs> Even if you got some opinions on the runga tiki in. Uh, we're, oh, Scotty mate, and I are, are local. Speaking of the ring of tight, mate, um, it is Susanna Wilson-Bates' birthday today, who was, uh, who was with us on that wonderful road trip. So a big happy birthday to one of the great... Big shout-out. Susie Bates. Oh, what, what a day that was. Scotty, lastly, there, there's, um, there was some tough news that came in two hours ago. Tim Southey, mm-hmm. fractured yeah. and dislocated right thumb. So it's his bowling thumb. Yeah, I know. Look, I, I mean, that's hideous news for New Zealand and especially with the World Cup just around the corner, isn't it? But, um, look, it, it is a bone. It's not, the, it's not the whole thing. It isn't falling off. Um, and you know how <laughs> tough Tim is. So, um, look, he is hoping, he is hoping that the prognosis uh, isn't overly uh, horrible for him um, because, it, it, you know, this, this team just needs, needs that two-pronged attack. It needs Southie. It needs Bolt. It'll be their last World Cup together. Um, and so to rob the fans and to rob them of that opportunity would be tragic indeed. So, you know, I, d- I do hope he comes right quickly. Another tough day at the office for the BCs today against England. Um, mm. And what has, been a, what has been a series that you just can't pick. Uh, there's been days where everything New Zealand touched has turned to gold and then others where England have shown their dominance. But, um, yeah, look, I think uh, it'll all be by the by by the time they get to that World Cup. And I'm encouraged by the former Trent Bolt, that's for sure. But like you, mate, discouraged that uh, Tim Southey has this injury now that he has to deal with, and Daryl Mitchell as well took a blow too. So hopefully he comes right because uh, he'll be instrumental in any chance New Zealand has. Well, Scotty, we have a we have a segment called Swinging Both Ways, a cricket segment, and uh, we always discuss the GEC 
BVLTCAOWCT, which is Grant Elliott's current, but very likely to change an often World Cup side. Um, and uh, it has, it's changed so many times. It's good to see that Foxcroft has been picked in Bangladesh, but that throws my team out of whack once again. Um, and it's just been, it's been hit with injuries. Um, but I think, you know, talking about Saudi, talking about Williamson, it's the senior players that get you over the line, isn't it? It, it would, it, I would think so, especially in New Zealand's case, because they bring so much experience and they've been there before and they've got this team to, um, well, to the top in test cricket, but to, uh, also to the very edge of the summit in terms of one-day um, short-form internationals uh, at World Cup level. So, look, this is these guys are crucial to New Zealand's chances. You know, the fact that Williamson's back in the mix is just so good for the country, um, or for the Black Caps at least. Um, now we just have to sweat on Southie, make sure he's okay. Uh, because there's just no other bowler in New Zealand like Tim Southey, um, and there's no one with his experience in that form of the game. So um, it's going to be crucial to get him back. But look, Foxcroft is, is one to watch for the future, and of course um, the week uh, just being we've seen the selection of that World Cup squad and no Finn Allen. So um, they've obviously looked at that power-hitting role up top and decided, no, that's not quite the style we want to go with, and it's just not paying off on a percentage level. And um, this New Zealand side, as you know, Grant, likes to play percentage cricket. I want to ask you one last question, Scotty, before you go. Thank you so much for your valuable time. Um, no, I got asked a question by, yeah. um, by Deeks, actually, and he said, Sir Brian Lahore, Ooh. Sir Steve Hansen, Sir uh, um, uh, Ted. Wayne Smith, yes. Uh, so, so why did Gary Stead not get a night chip after winning the World Test Championship? It's a good question. <laughs> It's it's a very good question. I think maybe maybe Gaz needs a few more friends to write letters to the Governor General. You want, you want to start <laughs> that campaign? Maybe maybe that could be a homework assignment for your listeners today. Write steady up for a, for a knighthood. Yeah. Oh no, was, I couldn't answer it. I just said I don't know. Maybe because his name is Gary. I don't know. I just <laughs> you know, I don't, it, doesn't have a good ring to it. You know, you think of the number of rugby nights that New Zealand has produced versus the number of cricket nights New Zealand has produced, and it is it is interesting to consider um, where where cricket then sits in the landscape of titular honours, as they say, whether you believe in knighthoods or not. But um, yeah, there must be someone, there's someone in this golden era of New Zealand cricket who deserves a, a sword tap on the shoulder from the GG. <laughs> oh, is it, is you, it you, Scotty? Are you are you are you angling for one, Grant? Are you angling for one for hitting one six in your career? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Scotty. As I said to Baz, I said you don't have to hit a hundred of them. You just got to hit one. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what, Dave? It'll always be one more than I've ever hit, mate. So you go. With it. I love it. <laughs> Oh, mate, thanks so much. Love to hear your insight. Love your energy and can't wait to see you this summer. Oh, looking forward to it, mate. We'll be together at uh, TVNZ for the cricket this summer, mate. And uh, as always, looking forward to locking horns. And I'm sure we can get Bates and uh, you and me onto another road trip to the Rangataiki Tavern. Oh, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, Scotty. Go well. Enjoy your weekend. Up the Waz. See you. Up the Waz. Bye, boy. That was uh, Scotty Stevenson. Brings a lot of energy, a lot of insights into just so many sports. I mean, he's a man of many hats, and just his insight is just fascinating. He is a library of knowledge, Scotty Stevenson. But we're going to head to a break. Give us a call, 0800-150-811. we got Joey on the line from Auckland after the break. Uh, we want to hear from you. Text us, double eight double three.
Well, we got some calls ringing in. The All Blacks beaten Namibia 71-3, so it looks like everyone's a little bit happier this weekend than they were last weekend. Joey from Auckland, what's your beef, Joey? Are you positive? Yeah. Are you negative? Are you for the Waz? What's happening in your world? Well, I tell you, Grant, um, the All Blacks, I watched them this morning, um, a 7 out of 10, you know, they're playing the Namibia, which, you know, aren't very strong, I know, and, and they, they fronted, but... Um, we did, you know, we did a hell of a lot of good things. Um, I think sometimes we need, when we're, when we're missing the guy out, um, you know, a guy's running through and you're passing behind him, we need to straighten the play up a little bit more. Dan, uh, Damien McKenzie does that quite good, and uh, I think he should get a chance probably against um, uh, uh, Italy myself, because the, the thing with Damien McKenzie is you don't know other sides that are playing against him, opposition, don't know what he's, He's unpredictable. You don't know what he's going to do with the football. And, and if he go, gets, starts the gap and gets through, he's gone. He's like Will Jordan. And, and Richard Mwanga is more of a... Um, he, he's, he's not as... as well, say it, I wouldn't say attacking as that. But uh, he's more, a little bit more structured. And um, he didn't boss uh, us against um, South Africa or France. And that's what you've got to do, I think, as a 5-8. Now, I'm not saying there's much between them. But I think McKenzie should get a chance against a, a better side myself. Um, and also, too, you know, when we get the ball from a kickoff, uh, David Harvey made one, he played quite well, but he made one mistake where you don't go towards the sideline, you go infield. Because if you go to the sideline and he got pushed out like he did, if you do that against South Africa or France or, or uh, Ireland or whatever, in the 22, they'll get the ball and they'll score. And, and Grant, you know, you, you can't afford that. that that's just not, not using your head, you know. You always go in field because if you go to the woods, the sideline, you get pushed out, they get the ball on the 22, and what do they do? They maul, and away they go, and they score. The, the good side, I'm talking about, the great side. But apart from that, pretty good. And the, and the Warriors, um, it'll be a very close game, that. But um, hopefully they can get up and, um, and, and, and have another, another um, go for, for next, uh, next week. What do you think? Yeah, no, that, that's awesome thoughts, Joey. I mean, it's still, uh, you're saying Damien McKenzie, and once again I start thinking, well, Richie Moanga has uh, arrived at this World Cup as the number one, um, and then now there's still a little bit of doubt from all us fans as to who should be there. I agree, Damien McKenzie is unpredictable, but <coughs> I don't, excuse me, I don't think that he's had the, the game time that Richie Moanga has had uh, leading up to this World Cup, so I don't think that will be the case. I think he should get a run, but you know, between him and Cam Roygaard today and uh, Lester Fanganuku, uh, yeah, outstanding game, uh, but it's Namibia. So interesting selections ahead, I think. Very interesting selections ahead to, to watch. Just before I go, Grant, um, I forgot um, Cam Roygaard, absolutely outstanding. I know that it was yeah, only was good, in eh? Namibia, but I tell you, I tell you what, we're, we've got a guy moving on in, in, the, um, in Aaron Smith, and we've got a guy that will come in this boy, if he, I'm telling you now, mark my words, if he doesn't get injured, he will be one, uh, one of the best All Blacks we've had at halfback following Aaron Smith. I'm telling you that now. He, he's got everything. He, he's got the smarts. He's got speed. Um, he, he, he's, he's six foot odd. He, he, plays, play, he plays well. He had a great, great um, debut and, 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 you know, kudos to him. Not, not, nothing against the other guys they've got there, but I just think that... Um, when, when Smith moves on, 
um, we've got someone to replace them, and that's one of the best things. And this guy reminds me of um, Van der Vestagen, South African yeah. youth Van der Vestagen. You know, and yeah, you know, you would know about him. You know, yeah, very, he was, very he was strong, awesome. Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah. Yeah, okay, mate. And, yep. uh, I'll leave you. Oh, Joey, th thanks a lot Yo. for your thoughts, mate. Enjoy it in Auckland. Enjoy that environment, the the WAS environment, and let's hope there's a win there. Appreciate your thoughts. Thanks a lot, Joey. It's Joey from Auckland. Uh, we've got another caller, Tinkle. Tinkle from Wellington. How are you doing, Tinkle? Morning, Grunter. How are we? Ah, uh, I thought it was you, Tinkle. Uh, you you probably <laughs> want to talk you want to talk about the cricket, wouldn't you? You'd be a little bit buoyed, a little bit of a spring in your step. Absolutely, Grant. Yeah, no, good uh, good win this morning. Obviously, uh, a lot of Yorkshiremen and one scoring a hundred uh, this morning, mate, against uh, against the BCs. But um, yeah, I think a bit of a shame with old Saudi doing his thumb, and uh, hopefully he can get back and at some point in the tournament but uh yeah just uh covering the sport this morning grant um ab's still not seeing enough at the moment um i think Borden barrett's gotta gotta make way his legs have gone in my opinion mate uh put will jordan at full back and i think the the better balance mate what about you you thinking along the same lines mate Oh, I don't know how to pick it. I mean, listen, my rugby knowledge is probably, you know, average at best. Um, I normally rely on my, my host who's sipping on champagne in, in France at the moment. But I think the general consensus from all the, the text messages I get and gen, general feel is that there's just such a split camp between, you know, the Bowden Barrett, uh, Damien McKenzie and Richie Moonga. And I'm like, how can it be so split? It's almost like you're trying to pick your number three batter uh, in a in a World Cup uh, um, cricket year, and it's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it baffles me. But you know, you give Damien McKenzie an opportunity now against Namibia, and you see what he can do, and you think, oh, maybe he should be you know number one. But I'd like to think that, well, me personally, before a tournament starts, you have your top fifteen uh, playing playing men, and unless there's injuries and that, that changes, I'd say that Richie Moanga will be at ten, but. You know, maybe it will yeah, change. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that environment works in terms of chopping and changing players. But Scotty Stevenson did say, you know, he mentioned Cam Roygott. Everyone's talking about Cam Roygott and how good he was. Um, and I think what it is, it's about confidence. They talk about momentum, but I don't think it's momentum. I think it's confidence. And uh, individual players can change confidence with, within a group, which then helps momentum. The loss against South Africa and the loss against France would have had a dent in the confidence of players. How do you get that confidence up? Well, it's about giving individuals confidence leading up to that big quarterfinal game. So, um, yeah, plenty of tinkering Absolutely. to be done. Mate, it, was a, it was a bit like uh, you at Nine Eye Cricket about 15 years ago, eh, mate? Every, giving everyone confidence. I think that was... Just leave on a couple of notes, mate, of the Warriors. I think they're going to get it done tonight at home. And just lastly, uh, look forward to you making your debut for the 9-0 gold this summer, mate. Oh, can't wait, Tinkle. Yep, yep, we'll get that on radio. That's a verbal confirmation I get. Um, man, mate. <laughs> great, Good great, man. To, look great to, to have you on talking. the show, Take Tinkle. Care, mate. Love the accent. <laughs> that was Tinkle from, uh, from Wellington, from 9-0 Cricket Club. An excellent um, all-rounder is Tinkle playing for the Nine Eye Gold 
on weekends. Uh, we've got another caller. Appreciate your calls. 0800 We've got John from Auckland. John, how's things going in Auckland? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, but worried about the Black Caps. Eh? That's three heavy defeats in a row going into a World Cup. How are you feeling? Yeah, I must admit, um, you know, when I looked at uh, at ESPN uh, Crick Info and you look at the results and you just look at those mm. results and it's, you know, we obviously had a good run after the T20s. Um, we were one, three in a row. But, um, yeah, it, it was worrying signs. I think the interesting thing for me as well, John, was that uh, England batted first in a lot of those. And I think, you know, because... Um, we were chasing, and you need hundreds when you're chasing. But you look at the last three games, England won by 79 runs. England won by 181 runs, and then England winning by 100 runs. It just looked like we capitulated. So we just didn't have that one person to stand up. And, you know, much like the All Blacks, we're talking about teams that are chopping and changing. Without that Williamson there, um, he might, yeah. may or may not be there. He's not on the Bangladesh tour. So that's, uh, I guess, a worrying sign as to where he is uh, with his uh, rehab. Yeah, well, it looks like their Bangladesh tour will be a B, or a B squad for both teams. So I guess that will be the extended squad going over there. But, um, yeah, a little, a little bit concerning. Did you see the Australian-South African game as well? No, I didn't see that. Tell us more about that game. Uh, well, um, South Africa scored 419 after their 50 overs, and I think they ended up winning by 160. 64 runs against a pretty um, strong Australian team. I don't think they had dominant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a a real dominant uh, uh, victory, that one. I mean, 416 and 50 overs. Who would have thought? I know that there was that game in in the Wanderers uh, back in the day against Australia. And this one was at Centurion Park, the one that you're talking about. Mm. But um, to score a a score like that, where... um, I'm just having a look at the scorecard now. Uh, it was Heinrich Klaassen who got 174 off just 83 balls, 13 sixes, 13 maximums. Would have been great viewing, John. Are those grounds in South Africa a bit smaller than Australia? Are they? Seems like it is. No, no. I'd say they're probably on par. Centurion's quite a big, big ground. Uh, they don't really bring the ropes in. Everyone talks about how small it is in uh, New Zealand, but I'd say... I'd say India is probably the best batting uh, conditions in terms of fast outfield and uh, small sort of boundaries. It always looks a little bit bigger on TV, but, I mean, to hit 13 maximums, uh, how's that? I mean, I'm looking at the bowling uh, bowling attack, and the only one who got I real tap was got Adam, Adam, Yeah, well, Adam Zampa went for 100. He raised his bat for Australia, so he went for 100. We always call that raising your bat, but... Uh, yeah, Ngidi, four wickets up front. So that always breaks the back of a team. But when you're chasing 416, it's not like you can take your time in the power play. When you're 113 for four off just 15 overs, uh, it's tough going from there on in. The problem with South Africa is that they can't put it together in a World Cup. You know, they've, they've always had the players, as you know, to, they should they should have probably won five World Cups like Australia. But unfortunately, when they get to the World Cup, there must be something mentally there for them. Yeah, well, they, they always call them the perennial chokers, don't they, John? Um, and it's always yeah, it exactly. seems to be an unfortunate fortunate exit. Uh, John, are you go, are you heading to the um, are you heading to the Waz today? 
Go media yeah, uh, Mount Smart. Yeah, just quickly before I head off. Um, yes, I am heading to the stadium. I'm one of the 30,000 plus that'll be in support. Probably, well, I'd say 99% will be Warriors supporters. And I'm also heading to the Auckland Waikato game in Pakudanga. That starts at 2 o'clock. So be shooting across town and watching some awesome rugby and rugby league. That should be great, man. Oh, awesome, John. Oh, well, enjoy that, John. Sounds like you've got an action-packed weekend and really appreciate your thoughts and thanks for phoning and listening. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks a lot, John. That was John. There was a lot of cricket spoken there. Uh, and after the break, we're going to go into Swinging Both Ways uh, where we talk everything cricket that might be on your mind. See you after the break. The Saturday Session Cricket Update. Thanks to Razine for expert paint and colour advice. Well, Saturday session and we're going into swinging both ways with Razine. Razine for expert paint and colour advice. Well, I did get a text earlier and um, it was from Rob. And Rob said, Grant, it is bad luck for Tim Southey, but in all reality he couldn't make the starting 11 for NZ in the 2019 World Cup semi-final final. Bolt, Henry and Ferguson are still ahead of Southey for ODI cricket. Not too sure how much Scotty Stevenson really knows about cricket. He's certainly no Brian Waddle or Jeremy Coney. Cheers, Rob. Those are your thoughts. Uh, appreciate it. Well, I think, you know, around uh, Tim Southey, and I, I disagree with you about Scotty. Scotty does know a lot about cricket. Um, he follows the game. Uh, but Tim Southey, yeah, everyone's been talking about, like, Matt Henry and Tim Southey, I guess. Um, I think that one thing, you know, if... Tim Southey's thumb is no good. Uh, the thing that New Zealand really do miss out on there is experience. And you need experience in a World Cup game. I keep saying it. I keep saying that in World Cups, and this goes for rugby as well, is that it's your senior players that get you over the line in the big moments, the big games. And I think it comes down to pressure. It comes down to that pressure and that ability to execute your skills in a pressure moment. And in a World Cup, when it's a semi-final it's a final, uh, those World Cup games, that's when you need your senior players to step up. So, you know, potentially we're looking down the barrel of no Southie and no Williamson. Two players that have played in, this will be, you know, potentially if we get to a World Cup final semi, their third World Cup semi-final. Um, and that's invaluable. You want players that have been there, done that. The moment doesn't become too big for them. I know for me personally, uh, you know, playing in a World Cup semi-final and final, uh, the moment can overawe you. Uh, the World Cup final is certainly, you know, it's a huge moment. We played in front of 96,000 and India wouldn't be much different. You're playing, uh, you know, in front of huge crowds, uh, the media circus around you before the game, the number of text messages you get. Um, and sometimes you can be in a team where coaches and captains actually elevate that adrenaline and that, um, not anxiety maybe, but uh, I guess the that um, pence of nature going into finals, whereas you, you need a calm environment going into those games and senior players certainly do give you um, those calm sort of feelings. I think, you know, let's, let's reflect on the, the England-New Zealand series. Uh, New Zealand and England played in the T20s. The first T20 was won by England, and then the second one won by 95 runs, where, once again, New Zealand were dismissed for just 103. 
And then suddenly New Zealand went on a little run of form. Uh, they batted first and they won the, the third T20 by 74 runs. And then the second one, they won by six wickets. Um, so had a really good run of form winning the first ODI. So it was three games in a row. And Daryl Mitchell, who was just in sublime form. But after that first ODI, it was England. And I think that we saw a common trend after that, just getting dismissed in a T20 and 13 overs for 103, but then the worrying signs of New Zealand's batting, 147 they were bowled out for in the second ODI, and in the third and fourth ODI, just 187 and 211 runs. So worrying from the signs of batting, but it was certainly uh, England's batting that was probably the the tough one to stop and I think you know when teams are scoring hundreds against you you do look at the bowling of course and funnily enough I sort of said I think we've got our bowling sorted it's our batting lineup we need to to get right and um, there's been some significant well not significant changes but what I, I would say is that there's some big decisions to be made in the future for this Black Caps team as we mentioned, the 5th of September, the team was announced. And that team can be quite fluid and change over time. So 28th of September is when you have to lock that squad in. So Kane Williamson was locked in on the 5th of September. And now we'll be waiting to see if he actually um, is locked in on that 28th of September, which will indicate that they'll look to play him. And um, we look at uh, the squad that comes up for or has been selected for Bangladesh. And it's Lockie Ferguson as captain. Finn Allen will go there. So that's one name that I I will highlight and say, has Finn Allen still got a chance to be up front there? I'd say he's on the outer. So Will Young and Devin Conway are probably the likely starters. Chad Bowes, Will Young. Will Young gets another opportunity. Then you've got Tom Blundell, Dean Foxcroft and Henry Nichols and Ratchin Ravindra would be three names that I'd look at and highlight, as well as Cole McConkie. I think that they've all got an outside chance here. Reason why, Ratchin Ravindra, unfortunately Mitch Satner had an injury, so to his knee, we don't know how serious that is, which is why Ratchin Ravindra's been playing. He scored 62 today, which is great uh, run of form with the bat. We know he's been pretty good with the ball. Not as good as Mitch Satner, not as solid as Mitch Satner with the ball, but can do both, and that's handy in Indian conditions to be able to play those extra spinners. Dane Cleaver, Carl Jamieson, I'd highlight him, and Adam Milne. Uh, Isodi, for me, is in the team, and Trent Bolt, uh, two shoe-ins. So an interesting squad there with uh, Dean Foxcroft, who I actually put him in my um, my GEC, BVLT, CAO, WCT, the Grant Elliott's current but very likely to change and often World Cup team. I had him in there last week, and then I threw him out. Uh, because I didn't think, because he was, wasn't playing against England, I didn't think he had a chance, but Dean Foxcroft likely to make his ODI debut against um, against Bangladesh. And um, I think that the thing that really does make me feel positive about a Dean Foxcroft selection is that he bowls offspin. We don't have many players that can bat as well as he does and provide that offspin. So a little bit like Ratchan Ravindra, left-hand batter, left-arm ortho. You've got Dean Foxcroft, right-hand batter, very strategic in the way he goes about things. Uh, 360 player, but can also offer that offspin to you. Um, you know, Mitch Satner, obviously, gee, we need him. We definitely need him. He provides a lot of glue 
through those middle overs in uh, one day cricket. As I mentioned, Finallan, is he still an option? Uh, I'd say potentially in the squad, depending on how he goes, but I think he's been surpassed by Henry Nichols. Now that's been an interesting selection. Henry Nichols, who uh, hadn't played for um, quite a long time, has come back into the team and slotted into that number three position. So potentially Henry Nichols may have um, taken for Allen's position in that squad, but might just be a fill-in for Kane Williamson as Kane gets fit. Do we play a fit Williamson who hasn't played much cricket? Uh, is he someone that can just slot into the team? I mean, he's world class. I saw his uh, his cricket jersey uh, probably be one of one of the the best on the auctions at the Mike Hendry Golf Day uh, because he's uh, he's a world class player. So does a world class player just come in? Uh, that will yet to be seen. So a lot of questions around this Black Cap squad. I think we started so strong. In England, in the first one day, everyone was really positive, was buoyed. We beat them by eight wickets. And um, now we're looking at it going, do we have the right combinations? Sounds quite similar to uh, the All Blacks at the moment. Uh, but we love our cricket. We're positive. We're half full here. And uh, we're going to head to a break. That was Swinging Both Ways, brought to you by Arizine. Time to paint. Get a quality finish with resin paints. Decorating Kiwi homes since 1946. See you after the break. Thanks for those texts. Sorry I couldn't get to you, but we've got tips that uh, you need to uh, run a mile from, or that you shouldn't run a mile from. Huckleberry, we haven't heard from you today, but you're going to have a great tip for us, I'm sure. Yeah, I've just been looking at the Warriors' odds for tonight, Grant. Obviously a massive occasion here at Go Media Stadium in oh, Auckland. Yes. Huge. Up the Waz. I just thought I'd run through them for everybody just in case I haven't had a look yet. So the Warriors are paying $1.54 head-to-head and the Knights are paying two forty. And here's a good boosted bet for you, Grant. Dullam Watsisney's Alesniak, first try scorer, paying $7.50. Oh, yes. Why wouldn't Up you? the Waz. Put the house on it. Okay. Well, I mean, you can. You can put your house right on that term. All my Everton crew to Richie, Tim and the boys... We're going to have to go Everton. We've got a 3.30 a.m. game against Arsenal. Do I go for the draw at $4.33 or do I go for the win at $6? Feeling buoyed about that was bet. I think I'm going to go for the draw. We need the points, boys. We need the points. Go for the draw, Everton. $4.33. Thanks for listening today. Up the All Blacks. Up the Waz. And thanks for listening on SCNZ. Have a great weekend.